The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. The Underdog Sports Podcast Network presents Hang Time, a pro basketball podcast. Welcome back to Hangtime Junior. I'm still Will Posnan, and uh, it's been a while between episodes, but we're going to dive back into it because there is a lot of basketball to talk about. Um, NBA, WNBA, that's that's it. I don't know if, if anybody comes here expecting coverage of La Liga. I don't follow it. I know the names of four guys who should be in the NBA, but... They just really like living in Europe. You know, I used to fault guys who played in uh, La Liga for basketball because I'd be like, well, why wouldn't they do Or whatever it's called, Spanish League, Series A, whatever the top Spain basketball league is. Pretty sure it's called La Liga. Well, I used to fault those guys because I would go, well, if you're, you know, truly a great basketball player. Like the five, not the whole league. I used to fault the five or six guys who could have been starters in the NBA and still chose to play in La Liga. But if this pandemic has shown us anything, it's that those guys were right. Basketball greatness is valuable. It's not as valuable as a reasonable quality of life. And, uh, I mean, there's... Especially if, yeah, especially under this current administration, uh, it makes sense to want to play basketball anywhere besides America. You know what? LeBron really should have been like, okay, I'm just going to take a year and just dominate who handled this really well. I'm just going to dominate Korea, the Korean Basketball League. I'm going to go to Seoul. I'm going to be like, Look, man, I'm, I have a family. I need to take my family to a country that is handling the pandemic well. And I'm just going to, how many points will LeBron score a game in the Korean basketball league? I think he would score, I'm not even exaggerating. I think he would average 76, 22 rebounds. And I'm going to say, he would just average one more assist than whatever the second leading assist person was in Korean basketball. Like, he would just make a point because he could score every play. So what's really the point of him getting assists except to just lead that league in assists? And then even though he was averaging 76 points a game, he would make a way bigger deal. You know, people said I couldn't lead Korean basketball in assists. Boy, did I show them. Uh, but let's talk about the NBA because it matters more. It empirically matters more than Korean basketball. No offense. <laughs> uh, so NBA in the West. Now we officially got the Clippers and the, uh, the Nuggets, Clippers and Nuggets. And in the, and we got the Lakers and Rockets. And, uh, I know that I'll be going on to Bavada Sportsbook to, Bet on the Lakers and the Clippers for sure. Um, there's no doubt in my mind 
that the Clippers and the Lakers will win that series. Like, this is no doubt. Like, there is a chance that the Rockets take it to six. I don't even think there's a chance that the Nuggets take it to six. Man, yeah, there's just not. I mean, there's not. Like, at the end of the day, you gotta look at these, all these teams as known quantities in some capacity. Like, nobody's going to do a thing they've never done before. They might just do a thing they've done a little bit better or more consistently. Like, Jamal Murray, for instance, uh, you know, doing what he did last year's playoffs, in last year's playoffs, but doing like the 2.0 version. But, the thing is that Jamal Murray is going to probably have – I mean, they're probably not going to put Paul George on him because he's – I think he's still traumatized by last year's playoffs. I think that Paul George, he needs to just – Kawhi needs to pull him aside and be like, look, man, we're never going to let what Damian Lillard did to you happen again. Like at the end of a horror movie – where they're like, we've killed Freddy Krueger. It's it's over. You can finally sleep easy. And it's it's not going to happen to Paul George again because, you know, if that scenario happens again, they're going to either put Patrick Beverly or uh, or Kawhi on that guy before he can little Because yeah, Paul George has suffered enough. Like I'm, I would never pile on to Paul George on this podcast just because. You can get that in every single corner of the internet. Like, I'm sure on Pornhub right now, there's a guy writing in the comments mean stuff about Paul George on a video that probably has nothing to do with him. So, I think that, yeah, I think that they probably put Patrick Beverly mostly on uh, Jamal Murray, and that's a good call. And then, I mean, Montrez Harrell, uh, Went from one bitch ass white boy to another. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's gonna be terrific for him. Like, cause he went from having a, I mean, he didn't really guard Luca that much. They mostly had Morris on Luca. But yeah, Harold, Harold got, uh, he was gonna get Joker and, uh, it's just another guy who he, well, he, yeah, he went from Przingis to, to Jokic and, uh, Jokic, is is the he'll never fight anybody and like he'll never get more physical than the other guy like if he had to play against like he kind of does the Tim Duncan thing of just never escalating the bullshit that's to the left of basketball that does not impact the game unless you let it get into your head. But the difference is that, like, Tim Duncan had a stoic facial expression, and Jokic has one that kind of, you go, is it getting into his head right now? But if there were ever a series where Jokic would benefit from getting angry, this is the series. But it's not going to happen. And, uh yeah, that's going to be... I mean, the West is, it's gonna be Lakers Clippers. It's, I mean, we can talk about, uh, Rockets Thunder, which was yesterday. 
the team that won did not deserve to win. <clears throat> to win, like the Thunder caught a couple of guys on the Thunder, kind of let them down um, in uncharacteristic ways, and that's why. Like, I don't give the Rockets much credit because the Rockets dodged bullets with Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, both of which, like, Gallinari has been fairly, it's not that he's been, like, consistent in the box score, but his play has been consistent, and that was an uncharacteristically uh, bad game for him. And then Shea Gilgis had the potential to just be a dominant force in any game this series and uh he wasn't in game seven and it's not even about oh well the ball was going through chris paul like shay could have i mean i don't know like it feels like he didn't create uh it feels like his defense wasn't a presence really like he didn't really i know that it's kind of unfair to shay because when Russell Westbrook takes bad shots, they either go in or more often, uh, or more often, like, you don't blame the defender because you're never like, oh, Shea Gilgis Alexander forced Russell Westbrook into a bad shot. You're just like, oh, Russell Westbrook took a not great shot with that game on the line. So yesterday he had 19 points, Shea had 19 points, three, Rebounds, four assists, and he was minus eight. And uh, he had the three turnovers. He had two steals. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess he was, I don't know. I don't know why it felt like he wasn't playing well. I mean, the stats are there. He had the four assists, three turnovers. It's, he had a solid game. I don't know, man. I feel like he could have – there were moments where he could have taken that game over. I mean, Harden was playing so badly that Shea Gilgis-Alexander was actually the most talented player on the court. When you factor in – like, when you factor in on a given night a player feeling – like they have it or don't have it. Like, yeah, Chris Paul felt like he had it. Shea went six for 11. Yeah, it felt like he just could have done more. Um, four for four from the free throw line. Like he, I don't know, man. Sometimes I think that, uh, some of these younger point guards, they look at Russell Westbrook and they think that he's, a better defender than he is because he's so big and strong and fast and good and confident. And, uh, yeah, Shea could have, Shea could have done more. I mean, he played 41 minutes. I, I don't know. I mean, he, of the starters, Shea and Gallinari had the worst plus minuses. So, I mean, I watched the whole game. I don't think it was in my head. I just always felt like, mm, I don't know. I guess, I mean, Gallinari had the 
most unfortunate name. I mean, he did get nine rebounds, but yeah, minus 16. And he, I mean, his big thing was he was guarding Covington and he wasn't guarding him at all. And then if you, the other thing I guess worth considering is that the guys that Shea were, was guarding, Gordon and Westbrook, lit the thunder up. And the guy Gallinari was guarding, Covington, really lit them up. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I think, I think next year, especially if Chris Paul gets traded or bought out or whatever might happen. I mean, I know Chris Paul wants to play on a championship contender and everybody in the league feels like he deserves to, but his contract is going to make that difficult. But yeah. If Chris Paul isn't there, Shea is going to... I mean, Shea can do everything that John Morant can do. He can do everything De'Aaron Fox can do. He can do... He can do a lot. And, uh, I mean, he's one of these incredibly, incredibly talented young point guards. And uh, he he needs... I don't know if he sees himself as the face of the franchise. I mean, I don't think that he needed to be this year because of Chris Paul. But moving forward, I mean, he's going to get paid regardless. He's going to get one of those $25 million a year contracts. But if he wants if he wants $35 million a year, he's, he's good enough to be a face of a franchise. There's a couple of guys in the NBA who their ceiling is higher than they think it is, it seems like. And you just hope that – and also dumb people in the media don't talk about them. So they don't – they never get built up in their own heads. Like Jaron Jackson is another one where it's like Jaron Jackson never gets mentioned with Jokic and Embiid and Towns and Davis. But if he believes that he could be the best center in basketball, there that's the only reason – he can be the best center in basketball. He has the talent to be the best center in basketball. He just needs to the the gap between the guys who look at Kawhi. When Kawhi came in, he was mentioned below guys like Paul George, obviously LeBron, Durant, Melo, all those guys and like right now LeBron's probably the only one who has a better body of work. I mean, Kawhi and Durant is a pick But the point is that some of these guys, I mean, you look at, um, when DeMar DeRozan jumped to level, you know what is a, who's a really good example of this is Chris Middleton watching the Bucks yesterday. Like, he takes over in the second quarter and then later in the game when they can't get a bucket when the neither team can get a bucket Chris Middleton can you can take over again you already took over once before just try it and i think that uh it's just tricky for him because he Everybody on that team looks at Giannis as the best player because he is, but that doesn't mean that he's the best 
uh, answer in every situation. And sometimes all around the NBA, guys are limited by as corny, but like by not believing in themselves. Okay. So if I were on Bavada, I would bet on the Clippers and I would bet on the Lakers to win those series. Moving on to the East. Uh, I actually was encouraged by what Milwaukee did in game two. Like, in game one, Miami punched them in the mouth, old school. In game two, Miami went to punch them in the mouth, and Milwaukee got punched but then punched back, and they caught a, a bunch of bad breaks, but there were bad breaks to go around. I mean, it was it was the most physical basketball game I've seen since Shaq was in his prime. Like, guys were really – since, like, that Shaq, that Lakers-Pistons series, it was – it was very, uh, it was just guys didn't want to get punked. That's all you want from Milwaukee because this Miami team knows their identity. They're going to try to shoot better than you and they're going to be tougher than you no matter what. And the only team in the NBA that's really equipped to be as tough as them Maybe the Clippers and definitely the Bucks. And the case for the Bucks is just that, like, Giannis is, uh, he, like, when he wants to, he does the thing that only him and Embiid can do where they just jump through guys like they aren't there. And the difference is that Giannis controls when he does it. Like, Embiid can only really do it when he gets angry or, or feels hyper confident. Like, it's like Embiid can only do it when he's super sane. Giannis can do it all the time. And, uh, you saw there are a couple of plays at the end. And LeBron can do it too, but he probably only has like five more power ups in him left or something. Like, he's started really like the last two years, he started really conserving those moments. Whereas when, you know, if you remember the series where he went against, the Warriors by himself when Kyrie got hurt and Love was hurt. Uh, he was doing that like basically every play. He was just jumping through guys. And Giannis has that same skill set. And he did it a couple of times against Miami. And it's really encouraging because, you know, Miami, has, they're formidable physically. Like obviously they're very talented. Uh, but all of their guys are stronger than they look except for Bam Adebayo, who looks like the strongest man in the world. So, like, Jimmy is smaller than Chris Middleton, but considerably stronger. Uh, Tyler Hero looks like Kyle Korver, but he's got some strength to him, too. Goran Dragic, you know, is smaller than George Hill, but as strong as him. Like, And George Hill's a very strong point guard. So Miami's got a lot of strength. And, uh, Milwaukee is gonna have to meet them at their level physically to have a chance. And in game two, they did. And they did have a chance. Uh, there, I mean, the whole issue with Milwaukee is just that, that when it gets really tough to score points, Giannis is gonna have to push 
his one man. He's going to have to do as many of his one man fast breaks as he can. And then also they're going to have to run plays for Chris Middleton. And it just feels like Chris Middleton doesn't want to have to shoot a lot of those shots in the fourth quarter. He's likes, he's very comfortable carrying the offensive load during the stretches where it's, I mean, it's a little bit like Harden's problem where it feels like Harden's at his best when the other team is a little bit losing focus. And once you, once everybody is on edge, he, he gets hurt by that more than other guys. Like whenever, when the whole, when all 10 guys on the court are relaxed, Harden is dominant. But once more and more people start to, get stressed it's almost like he's an empath like he feeds on other people's stress and when everyone's stressed he's screwed it's you know that's that's why it's kind of a shame that him and durant aren't on the same team because durant is the opposite where like when everybody's relaxed durant isn't he just lets the game come to him like durant and harden have the same basic basketball philosophy of you let the game come to you and you don't try to assert uh you don't try to violently assert how the game ends up going on which is different than what LeBron and Kobe kind of did but with Harden the difference is that there's always opportunities for him to do stuff when he has the ball in his hands because he can, you know, just dance around, create things, and let something open up naturally unless the defense plays him perfectly and then he passes the ball away. The one downside to that is that in the playoffs and in, at the end of tight games, the defense ramps up their focus and plays him perfectly pretty consistently. And if you play him perfectly, play after play after play, then he never really gets into his rhythm. So, I mean, he's just got to force the issue early. Like, if the if the Rockets are going to beat the Lakers, Harden's going to have to have 20 by halftime of every game. Because that's the other thing about Harden that I don't know if he even understands is his scoring sets up the passing and not vice versa. Whereas Chris Paul, it's the opposite. The passing sets up the scoring uh, there's a lot, I mean, like Steph can set up either with either. That's part of why he's so special. If you play Steph's passing, he's, he scores. If you play the scoring, he passes. Like, because if you're really going to play Steph's passing, you're going to have to play off of him so that you can react to the passing lanes. And if you're going to play his scoring, then you have to really play right up on him so he can't get his jump shot off. And if you play right up on him, he also can potentially drive by you. But he can't even drive by everybody. But what he can do is he can he can drive next to his guy into or towards a defender and then create a passing situation. So Harden's going to have to score if he's going to set up his passing. And... 
if they're going to play through West, Westbrook at the end of games, they're going to lose because Westbrook can carry the load for up until <laughs> the last six minutes. And then it's just, he, he forces it too much. I mean, this stuff is such a delicate balance, but yeah, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Rockets, especially seeing after seeing what happened with them against the Lakers. Uh, in the East, we talked about the Bucks. Um, the Celtics are uh, are special. Like people talk a lot about Jason Tatum, he's terrific. People talk about Kemba, he's terrific. Jalen Brown's my favorite guy in that team. First of all. Definitely the leader of that team. And the leader doesn't have to be the best player. I mean, you look at the Warriors who were led for the most part by Draymond and Steph and KD. The Warriors were like, I know the Heatles called themselves the beat. The Heat called themselves the Heatles as an homage to the Beatles, but the Warriors were a lot more like the Beatles than any team because you had the leader who was like, like Paul's the leader of the Beatles, and so I guess that would make uh, Steph the leader of the Warriors, because Steph is the amicable guy that keeps everything moving forward, like Paul McCartney, and Draymond is more like like he has the John Lennon attitude of "It's my way." I mean, they really have two John Lennons. They have KD and they have Draymond, and then. Uh, Clay's like, Clay's like Ringo, but he's low key. I mean, it's, I don't want, it's not like he's the most talented, but he's the most easy to, I mean, all, all those guys are so easy to plug into any system and to play with, um, besides Draymond, who only fits in Golden State or Portland or a few places. But, yeah, so I guess that would make Steve Kerr, George Harrison. I don't know. Um, but the point is that you don't have to be the best player to be the leader. Steph and Draymond were the co-leaders of that team where Durant was the best player. And similarly, Tatum is the best player on the Celtics, but Jalen Brown is the emotional leader of that team. And it seems like Hayward is the second co-leader. I mean, it's all, all of those guys are like right there, right behind them. Like, it's a very high character team. Uh, but Jalen is the guy who believes in everybody else. Like, ah, that sounds so corny. I want to think of a better way to say it. But it's like Jalen is the guy who makes sure that it's a team because especially you look at the way that Tatum plays where it's he's you know he does a lot of one-on-one stuff um i mean he's not selfish at all kemba has a proclivity to be a little more selfish or even like in charlotte he was kind of doing like a a hardened impression but on this team it's just like Jalen is – I guess he's just the emotional leader. He just keeps them all on the same page. Uh, if I were – the same way that James Harden when he was on OKC 
it was like that guy. I want to build a team around that guy if I can take him off of this Thunder team where they're undervaluing him. If I was any other team in the league, especially when it's time to trade Jalen Brown or to time to pay Jalen Brown for Freudian slip, I would do everything I could to trade for him because I think that you can build a really, really good team around that guy just in terms of like his leadership skills and everything. He's so smart, so athletic. Uh, the only thing – and he's going to get better at it is just the basketball IQ stuff because – and it's not like his is bad at all. It's just that's the thing Jason Tatum has on him. I mean they're both elite athletes. They're both really smart. They both – uh yeah, so the main thing is just Jason Tatum is a little bit better at knowing when he's going to be able to draw a foul, knowing what spot to be in, knowing uh, – basically getting into his man's head. That's what Jason Tatum's a little bit better at and that's probably why he's so good at the one-on-one stuff. Um if I was on Bovada, I would bet on the Celtics. I think they're going to sweep, man. I think game two was the only game that Toronto – I think Toronto had the one game. They might have one more game where they play them really close. And Toronto has a lot of heart. But just in terms of how the pieces are, there's not a lot for Toronto to do. Like for them to beat the Celtics – I mean, the way to beat the Celtics is to dominate the paint, and Toronto is just not going to be able to do that. Like, Serge Ibaka's been better as a jump shooter over the last few years, um, and Marcus Gasol is just a little too old to carry the load in that respect for more than... I mean, he can... He can't carry the load for more than 15 minutes. He can play 25 minutes. Maybe he can even give you 30. But in terms of carrying the load, he you're lucky to get 15. So I would uh, I would definitely – I think if you bet on the Celtics to go over the line, you'll probably – like to go over whatever the – Whatever they got the line set at, um, you're probably going to win money. I don't know. I feel <laughs> so. Uh, so that's the one thing I don't. I don't want to tell people uh, to bet one way or another, because because uh, I I don't really do that. Um, cool. Uh, let's okay. Let's talk a little bit about the WNBA. Uh, it's been, I think the games have been really, really good. Uh, there's been, I know that, you know, for anybody who's a Liberty fan, it's a little bit frustrating, like, but also this is what it was going to be. Like the team's mostly rookies. I think that, uh, the vets on that team have done a really good job of building up the rookies and just... They have a really good environment, like, just off my inside info, like, they like playing with each other, they're gonna grow together, it's a good situation. Um, 
I think it's a little unfair that the other young team, the Dallas Wings, have been kind of amazing. Like, not that they've been winning, but, you know, they're 6 and 11, but they've just been, I mean, they just have so much talent. Uh, and they've been playing a lot of teams close, and like, 6 and 11 is pretty impressive for a team that was not supposed to do that. Um, the Storm and the Sparks are probably the two best teams in the WNBA. Uh, with an, it is kind of crazy, like how much better the West is than the East. Um, cause I think that to me, the third best team I would say is the Lynx, but there's, uh, yeah, there's, I think it's safe to say that the, the team that wins the WNBA championship is going to come out of the West. And I guess they're going to seed it just based on uh, who is the best record. I think that's what they're doing, which I think that's better, actually, just because there's there's just such a gap between the East and the West. There's only one team with a winning record in the East, which is the Chicago Sky. I thought the Mystics were going to be better. Like, they started strong. They started so strong. And, uh, they, I mean, they're missing two of their best players in Tina Charles and uh, Deladon. And they might be missing one other. I think they're actually missing their four, four of their five starters. Like, they're, they're, Missing a lot. That being said, they started out strong, and since then they've gone one and nine. Um, Chicago start did the opposite. They started. Uh, I don't know what they started, but they're seven and three in their last ten. And maybe Chicago's the best. Oh no, not not Chicago, Connecticut. But maybe Connecticut's the best team in the East. It's either them or Chicago. But yeah, the to me, the WNBA MVP is Brianna Stewart. I know some people say like Asia Wilson um, and some other people, some other names that get yeah, like some people will mention NECA or Candace Parker. But I think they'll split the vote with each other. Uh, I also think that Brianna Stewart deserves it. I think that she is having, like, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the right NBA equivalent. I mean, she's having, like, it's like the Tim Duncan season in the shortened season when he, uh, when he beat the Knicks in the finals and then Sue Bird would be like David Robinson for that team. And, uh, I mean, I actually think Sue Bird's their third best guard. Like, it'll be interesting if they have a really, if they have a series where they, uh, where it's really tight, I feel like they would start Jewel Lloyd and Jordan Canada. And Jordan Canada's been playing, like, she's kind of had doing the Lou Williams thing where it's like some games she's amazing and other games she's a little bit down to earth. But yeah, I think that's what happens there. Um, I know a lot of people probably for Rookie of the Year, they probably have uh, the young lady on the wings, um, Satu Sabali. And she's had an amazing season. She would deserve it if she got it. 
personally, I mean, and this is like more just from enjoying. I mean, it's not purely just enjoying watching her play, but I think that she's just as viable of a candidate is a Crystal Danger Dangerfield on the Minnesota Lynx. Um, you know, that would be that's something I would actually bet on. Is uh, I need to go on Bovada and see if they have the. WNBA Rookie of the Year odds because I feel like probably people have it in the bag for Sabali, but I think that just Dangerfield, she's going to be in the playoffs. She's going to be – she's going to have a lot more points. I mean, she's just a great score. I mean, they're both they're both great scores. I don't know. I would bet on her to win – if you could bet right now, I don't know if people have caught up in that stuff. I need to go on and look, and I'll I'll like put it on Instagram or something if it's available. But that's the one thing that I would bet on is I think that she is going to – I mean, she, it's not like come out of nowhere. We're halfway through the season. But I think that she is going to take that from – let's see who people think – is winning the WNBA Rookie of the Year race, and that's where I'll end it. Um, okay, let's see if I can find it. I mean, yeah, people think Sabali, Chendi Carter. Chendi Carter's been playing uh, very well as well, but the one issue for her is that the dream... Uh, it's not that they're bad. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like the season has been so competitive and teams have been playing so hard. And so, I mean, the Dream aren't, they're not good. But it's weird. Like, I don't know. I've just been watching and it doesn't feel like anybody's bad. Like, and the other thing is that none of the transcendent talents of the WNBA have been playing disappointingly in any way. Like I, you know, I feel like Dana Tarasi started kind of slow. Like she was, it, she looked a little old at the beginning of the season, but then she's kind of picked up the form and everything. And so you don't have a single, I mean, probably there is a benefit of like a lot of the players who, were on the edge about playing for the season, sat out the season, and Kyrie uh, Kyrie Irving played paid their salaries very nicely, but uh, but yeah, nobody's really been playing disappointingly. So yeah, I mean, you could make a case for Chendi Carter. I think it's going to be Dangerfield on the links, but we'll see. Um, and uh, I think that's it. That's this has been all around basketball. On the next one, I'll. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the world, like how we used to, too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. Uh, this is fun to do another one of these and uh, keep enjoying uh, all of these podcasts.